As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to I Am Refocused Radio with your host, Shamaya Reed. This show is designed to inspire you to live your purpose and regain your focus. And now, here's your host, Shamaya Reed. Hey, welcome to I Am Refocused Radio. We are here once again, and today we have a true honor talking to Chief McManus, he is the chief of police of the San Antonio Police Department, and he started that journey April 17th, 2006, but he has a long, long history. And I want to say, first of all, good morning, Mr. McManus, and how are you doing today? Good morning, sir. Appreciate you uh, inviting me in today. And like I said, I can go a long history back to when you first got started, but I want you to do the honors. Tell the audience a little bit about your career. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so let me let me start back in Washington, D.C., because I started long before I got here. I started back in Washington, D.C. in June of 1975 uh, after I graduated college. And I never really wanted to be a police officer. I just, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And they happened to be given the exam and I took it, but I, and I passed it and kind of forgot about it after that. And they called me up a few months later and asked me if I was ready to start. And I said, start, you know, start what? And, uh, it was police academy. And I, this was on a Thursday. And I said, well, when am I supposed to start? And they said, Monday. I said, yeah, I'll be there. You know, I was 22 years old. So I, uh, Showed up, and I always, always looking for something else to do. I did I, because I wasn't going to be a police officer. Mm. I started studying for promotions, and because I didn't want to let, have my friends get ahead of me, so I, you know, I studied along with them. And uh, a funny story. So when I was, uh, I had been there for about seven or eight years. I was already a sergeant, and I went on a vacation to the island of Martinique uh, with Club Med. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was, you know, I loved hearing people speak French and, you know, just had a great time. And so I decided that I would be a physical education teacher in France, mm-hmm. Paris, France. So a friend of mine spoke French and he filled out a resume for me in French, copied them, mailed them out to about a dozen schools in and around Paris. Mm-hmm. Got one response 
and I flew to, to Boston for an interview in October of, I don't remember what year it was, maybe 1980, 81, 82. Um, I got the job. They told me that they would mail me my letter to telling me what to do in April and I'd be all set. So um, get my letter in April and it says, sorry, Mr. McManus, your your position was not approved in the budget mm. for the American school in Paris. Mm. So uh, so I went back to back to work, had to eat a little bit of crow because I told everybody I was leaving. And I still at, you know, at that point had not decided that I was going to stay being a police officer. So I made lieutenant. Uh, a few years later, and as shortly after I made lieutenant, I decided, you know, I'm just going to stay. I, I was enjoying the job. Uh, the job was enjoying me. Uh, you know, this was in Washington, D.C., and I spent, you know, 27-ish years on the department. And then um, I got a call from Dayton, Ohio, uh, asking me if I was interested in the, the chief, chief of police position. I had been referred to the city manager there by a former assistant chief in, D- in Washington, D.C., who had gone on to become the chief in Atlanta, Georgia. So, um, so I went out and interviewed in Dayton. Um, they offered me the job. I took it, stayed there for a couple of years. I didn't really in, enjoy it that much there. So uh, I got a job offer from Minneapolis. I went to Minneapolis for a couple of years. Too darn cold up there. I got a call from the chief of police in Houston who asked me if I had any interest in looking at San Antonio. I said I did. I interviewed with the, uh, I came down and interviewed for a full day, finally interviewing with the uh, city manager at the end of the day. A couple of weeks later, I got a call from HR, asked me if I was willing to start, ready to start. Um, absolutely, about 30 days later, I moved down here and I, and I started, uh, started here in San Antonio. And, and I've been here about 15 years now, and it's been the best place I've been, you know, in, in my policing career. So, um, you know, we've made a lot of progressive changes over the years, starting back in 2007 with changes to the way we handle domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we stopped pursuing uh, vehicles for uh, minor offenses unless it's a felony, a violent felony. We're not going to pursue you um, because it's safer for the public. It's safer for the officers. So many times you see, you know, innocent motorists being seriously injured or killed in police chases. And we want to avoid that. If the, if the risk doesn't, uh, doesn't, um, um, if apprehension is too risky, mm-hmm. uh, then we're just not going to, we're not going to do that. Uh, we've changed a lot of other policies to make it less dangerous for the public, less dangerous for the police officers, uh, the way we execute warrants, uh, the way we use force, um, a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on de-escalation. Uh, so we we've been very progressive over the years, and I think we've done a, a pretty good job, uh, especially as you compare us to a lot of other departments around the country who are not there yet. We are talking to the one and only Chief McManus, SAPD, right here on Iron Refocus Radio, and we started this with Officer Douglas Green, and we came up with the idea: the blue is with you. The purpose of this is to highlight officers' careers and help educate the public, especially right here in San Antonio, Texas. What was some of the influential people in your life, and how did that make an impact with your career? You know, there was a—I had a, a supervisor in, in Washington, D.C. He was a captain. I was a sergeant. 
And I also worked for him as a lieutenant. And, and this guy was tough. I mean, he was a stickler for detail. Uh, everything that you wrote, you know, you, you know, he would review it. And I mean, if every dot, every I wasn't dotted, every T wasn't crossed and every period comma wasn't right, you know, he'd send it back and you'd do it over again. But the guy was sharp. His name was Bruce McDonald. And he retired as an inspector uh, from the police department years ago. But uh, he was one of the guys who made a big difference uh, in my career in terms of um, thoroughness, in terms of paying attention to detail. And then the the other individual who was very influential uh, in my career, his name was Rodwell Cato. Uh, he was a substation commander, a deputy chief at the time. He eventually made assistant chief. But he took me under his wing uh, when I was a sergeant, and he, I actually would sit up in his office um, one or two times a week, and he'd, he'd have me do his in-basket. So I learned a lot from him, uh, from the, you know, the mechanics of, of uh, doing paperwork and, and also philosophically on how people should be treated and um, um, you know, the importance of training and education. So, and, and he's still around up in Washington, D.C., good guy. Uh, one of my one of my mentors, and also when it comes to motivation, what motivates you when you're out and about in the city of San Antonio? You know, this is this has motivated me since since day one. I want to see good policing. I want to see people treated right. I want to see people treated with dignity and respect and compassion. Uh, I want officers to display integrity and compassion. Um, so th- that that's what is most important to me in my career that that people are tre- that we do the job that people hired us to do, and we do it to 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 everyone's satisfaction uh, with the proper follow up, timely follow up, um, uh, no no arrogance, you know, of authority. Um, I want to see people treated right, and that's been with me ever since day one. Speaking of that, people right now who are listening right here on Iron Fuchs Radio, when they hear about careers to become an officer, what are some of your highlights that makes a great officer? You have to get in it for the right reason. If you get in it because you want to carry a gun and you want to drive fast, don't even bother applying. Uh, you have to get in it because... You, you have the mindset and the heart to want to help the public, to want to make things better. Um, years ago, when I first started, that wasn't necessarily necessarily the case. A lot of individuals would, would become police officers because it was a secure job and that was it. But uh, in, 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 as, as we've changed over the years and as we've progressed – um, it became much more clear the reason why you really, if you want to be a police officer, this is why you need to join the police department, not because you want to walk around and, and have authority and write tickets or whatever, but but you have to have the right mindset and you have to have the right heart to be a police officer. And with your career, you have a long history of education as well. You graduated from the FBI National Executive Institute and National Academy, Senior Management Institute for Police at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. 
and you hold a bachelor's degree from Villanova University in Pennsylvania and master's degree in management from Johns Hopkins University of Baltimore, Maryland. When it comes to education and leadership, what are some of the things that have helped you stay sharp within your career? I'll tell you what's most effective. I don't think that education without experience is not as valuable as education with experience. When you can tie those two things together, that is most valuable. And it's kind of like trying to learn how to play football reading a book. I mean, you, you can know the rules and the regulations, but you know, you're not going to know what to do when you're on the field. Um, you, you've, you've got to have that experience to go with the, with the training and the education. And with today's times and the climate of the community, it's, it's very important that we get educated on officers and also learning what we can do to help officers. Speaking to the public, what would you say is the best way people in their community can better connect with officers and also build a strong relationship? You know, that's, that's a great question. And, and um, you know, we, we have a we have a number of community policing based programs in the department. And the one I'll, I'll talk about is our um, Citizens Police Academy. Which, which is held at the police academy uh, for, I, I, th- I think it lasts for, I don't know, 13 weeks or so, um, every Tuesday and or Thursday night for, for three or four hours. And I speak to that group. It's been dormant since COVID, but as, as the restrictions start to, 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 to lift, we're going to start that up again. But on the first night I, I, of, of the class, I speak to the uh, to the to the new students, and it's a, it's a wide variety of, of folks in the community. Um, you got moms and dads and younger folks, and you know. Um, so one of the questions I ask them is, "How many of you in here are skeptical of police? How many of you in here don't necessarily trust the police? Don't feel good about the police?" And I don't get anybody to raise their hand. And I said, "Come on." Raise your hand. So they start slowly putting their hands up. And I get about three, maybe two or three each class. I say, I'm going to talk to you when you graduate. And I'm going to ask you the same question. And I go back and I remember who those folks are. And I ask them, I said, what now is your opinion of police? Do you still feel skeptical? Do you still feel you know, uneasy about them? And to the person over all these years, not one person has has maintained that attitude, and and it's because it, once people understand why we do things, um, the way we do things, when we do things, once they understand that, they have a much better um, um, picture of what goes on in policing and why it goes on. And I think that that. Anytime anyone wants a better understanding of what we do, uh, reach out to us. We have Ride Along Program. We have the, the Citizens Police Academy. We, I mean, we will accommodate pretty much any request uh, when someone wants to under, better understand the police academy. We can take you on tours of the police academy. We can even push you through our use of force training. Mm-hmm. I, mean, it, I mean, and it's an eye-opener. It, it gives you a really, really great understanding of why things happen the way they do. 
And once again, we are talking to Chief McManus, SAPD. And this is very great, timely conversation because I also want to ask when people are interacting with officers, say someone is stopped or questioned, what are the right things people should do and not do mm-hmm. to keep the situation calm? Well, let, let me start on let me start on the police department's end first. So the first things we need to do is approach the person uh, calmly and 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 politely, and explain what why we're there, who we are, why we made the stop, and ask the person for driver's license registration, whatever it may be. Um, and then, you know, you know, the officer never knows what they're coming up against. Uh, case in point, uh, about three weeks ago. We had an officer do a traffic stop on the on the it was the west side of the city, and the officer wound up getting shot. Um, and and I watched the the body cam video, and and the officer was very calm, very polite, uh, and the, the folks that were stopped were clearly nervous, and uh, you know the, the the passenger eventually produced a gun and shot at the officer, hitting him. The officer returned fire, and so on. So. Um, but the officer will, will make very clear, uh, make it very clear what he or she needs and why they were stopped. And the simple response is, you know, here's my license, here's my insurance. You know, if you got any questions, you know, ask the question, you know, tell me what I did wrong or whatever it was. But it's, you know, there needs to be a, a, a even keeled exchange from the police officer and the driver back to the police officer. And, you know, typically, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've had people write me and email me and tell me that, you know, the officer was so nice. I felt bad that he had to stop and give me a ticket. But, but again, it's gotta be, it's gotta be both sides. It's not a one-sided deal that we have to do our part and whoever it is that we're stopping has to do their part. And also to tie it around to the programs that you have available for communities, what are some of the things that communities can to, can do to help promote that? Is there ways that they can involve to help be in the process of letting others, people in the community, to know more about what's going on with connections with officers? Sure. I, I think what has to happen is there has to be a, a constant level of communication uh, back and forth, police to community, community to police, and we try to make that happen. I've got a uh, a person who works uh, in my office that deals strictly with the community and other other issues too, but he's he's very well tuned in, uh, dialed into the community, and uh, we've got um, community meetings that we schedule online. And we're trying to put more and more of the word out on things that we're doing, what we want the community to, to, to know is coming, uh, any concerns from the community uh, about what those what those new things we have, you know, in store are, policy changes, things like that. And I, I have a couple of uh, groups that are comprised of community members that I meet with on a regular basis, and I will talk to them. And, and it's it's a they're they're very uh, diverse uh, groups from all over the, uh, the city and different uh, occupations and from academia uh, to, you know, bank people. And 
Um, but but uh, uh, faith-based community folks are, are on the committee as well. And, and we'll give them a, a preview of new policies that we're, we're coming up with, ask them for their input, um, make changes that, they, you know, that, are, that make sense, that come from the committee, and then give them the final product. And then they go out and talk about it and spread the word. And, and, and the more opportunity we have to do that with, with that group and different groups, uh, is is beneficial to the police department and it's beneficial to the public as well. Once again, you listen to Iron Refocus Radio, and we have the honor of talking to Chief McManus of SAPD. And those who are listening right now, young people, young adults, and they're interested in maybe becoming an officer one day. And there's a website, sapdcareers.com. What are some of the things they can expect when it comes to training, when it comes to the testing? What are some of the things they can expect in the beginning process? We will help you if you're interested. We will help you get in shape for the for the PT part of, of the academy. Uh, prior to the academy starting, you can come and work out. We have classes, workout classes that, you know, we'll put you through and and uh, help you get in, in the best shape you can get in for the PT and the academy. But one of the one of the significant changes that that we've uh, come up with years ago, you know, police academies, and if you you know if you watch TV, and you know they're typically like boot camp. And I didn't like that idea of having a boot camp type environment in what's supposed to be a learning environment, which our academy is. So we, we shifted and, and we're, we're still shifting a, a little bit more because I'm, I don't think we're where exactly where we need to be, but we're shifting. We shifted from a boot camp type environment to more of an academic classroom type environment. We don't have instructors saying, drop down and give me 10 or, you know, shouting at people. That's done at, you know, in the, in the scenario based exercises that we do. If we stop someone on the street and, you know, we, we do uh, role playing where we'll stop someone who doesn't want to cooperate and, and, you know, maybe they were stopped as a suspect in a robbery or whatever it may be. They don't want to cooperate and, and, you know, they may be carrying a gun. And I mean, it's, so it's all these scenario based, or, you know, um, uh, scenario type incidents that we drill and, and and we and we get a little a little loud out there and a little rough out there sometimes but and in the uh, PT exercises same thing but once that's over that stops then we go back to the classroom and uh, academic type environment and once again the true honor right here on your focus radio talking to chief McManus SAPD those out there who have a certain opinion of officers. I hope they take heart to what is being said on the show today. If you can reach one person and help change their mind, how they view officers in general, what would you want to tell that person? You know, at each time there's a, there's an incident somewhere in the country where, you know, horrible incident on the body cam and, Maybe somebody got shot and, and it, it didn't seem like they should have and or, or it absolutely they shouldn't have. Um, 
every police department in the country gets pegged on that one. Every police department in the country feels the ramifications of that one incident. For example, up in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, where uh, where uh, officers up there shot a guy. They were meant to tase him, and they shot him. That reverberates all around the country. And I would simply say that don't judge every police department. Don't judge your police department on what happens somewhere else in the country. We are SAPD, uh, and and. You know, we are we are trying every minute of the day, every contact we have to do things absolutely right. Um, and and uh, again, we've made so many changes, progressive type changes over the over the years. We we look to the future. We look on the horizon to see what we need to get ahead of uh, things that are happening around the country. If if a, if a police department gets put under a consent decree by the Department of Justice, We'll pull that consent decree offline and we'll compare it up against to what, you know, all the, our policies and, and practices and what we do. And if it's, if there's anything that we're doing that matches up to what is in that consent decree, we're going to fix it. Uh, and, and that's, that's how we stay ahead of this. We did that through the whole Obama administration and, and the, the uh, Louisville, Kentucky and, and, uh, uh, the city of Minneapolis, they're, they're both being investigated right now by DOJ for for pattern and practice uh, uh, investigation. So we will look at their consent decrees. If it comes to that, we'll see what we're doing. If there's anything that we're doing that 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 uh, uh, that's mentioned in those consent decrees, you know, we'll fix it. But for the majority of the consent decrees that we've compared ourselves to, we were in, in pretty darn good shape. And once again, we are talking to Chief McManus of SAPD. Before we let you go, what is one thing you would want to tell the city of San Antonio and also for your fellow officers who are out there protecting our city? I would say I would like the the folks who are listening to know that we are here for you. Um our our philosophy our our uh, uh, guiding principles compassion integrity fairness and respect uh, we live by those things we preach them I preach them internally those principles are are to be followed both on and off duty you can never go wrong I tell officers you never go wrong if, if you follow those principles uh, and again you know we the attitude in the department has to come from the top down and the attitude that comes out of my office is we are here to help people we are here here to do the right thing and do it in the right way once again thank you so much chief mcmanus of sapd being on i am refocus radio today and big shout out to officer douglas green we started this a while back the blue is with you and i want to echo that today once again to say Please show some support to a fellow officer you see one. Thank him or her for what they're doing for our community. And let's all get involved in San Antonio and let's come together and meet in the middle. Like we say on every single show, keep God first, stay focused, and peace.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.